Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kenny, a deep philosophical question for you. Go. What is a catch in the NFL? Oh, I saw your tweet yesterday. How would you define a catch? Uh, You (laughs) have the ball in possession before you hit the ground. The beer bottle's in your right hand firmly. (laughs) You're not juggling the beer bottle. I missed the uh, catch in question that you were tweeting about. You're going to have to tell me about it. You know, we're going to go all in on the catch in question at 10 o'clock. We'll sprinkle some of it in, but we will be all in. And I think between those of us on the show, we can redefine what a catch is in the NFL. How's that How for a tease, Kenny? Right, stick change the rules? Stick Let's around. Do it. Stick around until 10. All right. Okay. 31. Okay. And they run it straight ahead. Oh, breaking it. No one in the secondary. It's going the distance. Jonathan Stewart. 60 yards. Newton's got time. Now he's breaking down on it. Backpedal to get away from it. Off his back. Freddie finds the man wide open. Bunches for the touchdown. Second and five. Newton, wide open. Newton, inside the 40, inside the 20, and then has it all the way to the six as Waynes tried to strip it away. We'll credit Carolina as well. Um, I mean, they made they had some good plays, made some good plays. Um, you know, but I, like I said, we turned the ball over three times. We gave up 200 yards rushing. Um, you know, we didn't, uh, you know, we, that's, those are unlike us. Okay. All right. Uh, ordinarily, I think you go on the road like that late in the season and you play as poorly and look as rough around the edges as the Vikings did. And I would encourage panic. I would ordinarily, knowing the history of this franchise, I would encourage panic. Uh, start to gather your loved ones and collectibles. The Viking ship is going down and. Ordinarily, for wow, okay. fifty-five plus years, I All would right. say, "Yep, yeah, okay." The uh, the Case Keenum carrot just turned into a pumpkin, mm-hmm. and so forth. And the Vikings were exposed. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever felt so confident about a team after a loss than I did yesterday, settling into the Vikings vent line two-hour extravaganza. Can I set this up for you just real quickly and get your thoughts? You can tell me if I'm a lunatic. All right, for thinking this after yesterday's game. Okay, all right. I think oftentimes when you're measuring how good a football team is, specifically NFL, but even sometimes in college, but college can be more volatile. I think a great measurement is how you fare in the games in which you look the worst. So when all things go wrong, what does that look like for you? And for the Vikings, they had left and right tackles both out yesterday. Starting center was out. 
So makeshift offensive line. You had two terrible turnovers. You had two 60-yard runs allowed, one for a touchdown, one for a near touchdown. Mm -hmm. Two costly face mask penalties that put the Panthers in prime scoring range. Mm -hmm. Several key dropped passes, including Adam Thielen bobbling or dropping two touchdown passes on the same drive. And the game was still tied on the road against a potential playoff team with three minutes to go. That list of things going wrong for you, that's Mm -hmm. the worst they've looked all season from start to finish. And they had the ball driving to send that game into overtime Mm -hmm. with a minute and a half to play in Carolina. I come away from that thinking, that list of things that went wrong, all of that ain't going to go wrong again in one setting. And you're probably going to be playing at least a a home playoff game, maybe even more than that, Mm -hmm. which we'll get into all those things. I think if that's the worst of it, and they still almost won, that's a good sign for the Vikings going forward. All right, so so we have, have long prided ourselves in this show on being reality radio. We are, because there's other places, I'm sure, today on the <clears throat> AM, probably FM band, where you're getting the, hey, there's nothing to worry about here. And uh, All right. Yeah, they're super negative on KS95. I mean, I've heard <laughs> I Moon can't, and Stacey. I can't stand Seriously. Yeah, Dez, I mean, come on, Dez, cut these guys a break. Honest to God, Crisco, calm down. The vi- First of all, we said, and I, I said in particular, when this stretch started, you're playing three consecutive road games. You, you went Detroit on Thanksgiving, which is now not an easy game. You won there. You went um, defending NFC champion last week, Atlanta. You won there. It was impressive. And I said at the start of this whole thing, Phil, if you went 2-1, and one, you should be very pleased. It was not realistic to think that this team was going to start a win streak in week three and not lose again. All right? I'm with you on almost everything because you had a lot of you had a lot of mistakes made yesterday that are unlikely to happen again or if they do it's going to be a a while. Thielen's not going to drop two balls. Harrison Smith missed a tackle yesterday. I mean that's breaking news now. And and it didn't cost them, but Harrison Smith missed a tackle. They had a bad game. One third of the Panthers' yards came on two runs. Yep. So one third of their yards came on two runs. But you you to me mentioned uh, two important things, and one is absolutely key: the offensive line. You started so you went into to yesterday with Elf line at center out. Remmers, your right tackle was out, and so you had to tweak things a little bit. In the third quarter, Riley Reef got hurt. If this ankle is a problem, if this is bad, you're in trouble. Because Rashad Hill uh, can move to right tackle and do a, a good job there, and, and you don't miss too much. If Rashad Hill now has to be asked to move to left tackle, where Reef has been an absolute godsend, that's a problem. So if you're a Vikings fan, I would not sit there and fret about the loss itself. I would, I would be very concerned because if you are going to get to an offensive line by the end of uh, Sunday's game that had Rashad Hill at left tackle, Isadora at left guard, you had Easton at center, uh, Berger was your only starting position uh, player up front who was left at his normal spot at right guard and Searles at right tackle, that's a big problem. The other thing you mentioned, and I'm going to probably have to pay a fine here, but the other thing you mentioned is Keenum. Oh, we're we're uh, Teddy. It was Teddy free last week. Okay, so, so I, are we I done with that? Because I paid five bucks. Don't go crazy with the Teddy mentions. Well, I'm this not week. going to. No, and I'm, I'm but, not. Uh, there were only three Teddy mentions, I think, on the show, and all of them were by you in the same sentence. And I paid five bucks. <laughs> and I paid five bucks. And and, so. and and I am and I'm not going to go there. But what I am going to say is, if you didn't have, if if you were on the case. 
uh, if if you were a Case fan and you were saying to yourself, "Well, I mean, he's great. What are you guys talking about?" Yesterday was a was a hint. Yesterday was a bit of foreshadowing about what concerns you, right? Because that the tipped pick that Diggs tried to catch was a horribly thrown pass. It was an a, awful it was a really pass. bad pass. So I know Diggs should have caught it. Diggs can catch it. Yes, but it was. But it's not, got to be. It's yeah. got to be a better pass. But that being said, my number one concern from Sunday's game, without a doubt, is offensive line. And if that's a problem, you could be in some trouble. Uh, yeah, you know what's, uh, you know, in fairness to Case Keenum, especially in the second half, that offensive line was not the one that he signed up to play behind in week two. You are I mean, correct. He, he he signed up to play behind Riley Reef and. And blossoming rookie center, potential star center, Pat Elfline. And Mike Remmers has been out now for like a month. Uh, so that was, we've had these conversations back and forth about, you know, what what the advantages Case Keenum has in the first three months of the season compared to maybe the disadvantages of a Bridgewater a couple years ago. That offensive line at the end of the game, as it should, because they were on uh, guys six, seven, and eight by by that point in the game. I mean, they're they're used. They're going way deep into the uh, depth chart, and there was pressure from everywhere by that. That's point. what it felt like. But where I'm going to defend him a little bit, he made some plays. There was two or three plays where Sam Bradford <laughs> would have been collecting broken bones off the field. Well, when captain, captain on that yes. blitz, he had him. I mean, captain literally went. Captain hugged air because yes. Case Keenum limboed underneath him and uh, and gets a pass off. There was another play where Keenum like he 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 split the double team like a point guard would in the NBA, like a Chris Paul would, mm-hmm. and still fired off a pass or or I don't know if it was a run or a pass. I can't remember the result. So I'm going to praise him because at his best within games or just over the course of a season, he looks like an MVP candidate at his best. The difference between Case Keenum and some of the other MVP candidates is the floor is a lot lower for him. Tom Brady's floor is is the penthouse. Aaron Rodgers' floor is the penthouse. Case Keenum's ceiling is the penthouse, mm-hmm. but his floor is still, you know, very much it's Case back Keenum's up. Floor, yes. And and you saw all of it yesterday. But again, I'm not blaming him though. I'm just saying that that we did. There, there's hints that you see of why you're a little bit skeptical. Of course, but at this point, you know, th- there's nothing you can do. We had about no. three Teddy Bridgewater calls on on Ventline yesterday. I saw it on Twitter too. And it's it, folks, the runway's too short. The you're here's the reality. However you feel about Kai Forbath and Case Keenum at this point in the season, get used to it. You have to live and die with those two guys. There's nobody sitting on a couch. There's nobody on the roster that's going to come in with three weeks to go in the regular season and be better than Kai Forbath or better than Case Keenum. And I, I'm pretty confident, though, that whatever you, whatever your level of panic is after yesterday's game, that's the worst of it. Now you get a Bengals team. At home, they just got smoked at home by the Bears. Marvin Lewis is on the way out. Yeah, uh, that now if the Packers lose to the Panthers this coming weekend, would they then sit Aaron Rodgers? Rodgers is probably coming back for that Panthers game. Well, if, the Viking- if he plays on the twenty third against the Vikings, that game gets really interesting. Does, does a Packers loss take them take them out of the playoffs entirely? I don't know if it, it mathematically did- does, but it it conceivably does. Yeah. Uh, if that if that's the case, then then there is no there's no compelling uh, re- reason to bring him back. If you're out, Unless there's you want to no stick reason. It to the Vikings and and there's and an risk element his health, to that. And risk his health, though. You know he's, he's coming off a broken it. collarbone in his throwing shoulder. A, I keep going back to that. I know. I would have I would have tanked from the minute he got injured. And but the, the way, Packers haven't. So. But but here's here's the the one thing. Teddy tweets yesterday. Is it time to bring him 
him in. Did you look at that offensive line by the end of the? Are you really going to put that poor guy coming off that bad no, of it's knee problem? It's not a it's, conversation, it's not a conversation not. at all. He's not coming back in. On, I mean, maybe the last game. If you've got things, if things are locked in place no. for the Chicago game, yeah, you might play him, and that's it. Uh, so. so that's the end of that conversation on this show this week. The end of it. Although, but people have been tweeting at us, and there was a few calls on Ventline. Absolutely, yeah. That is the end of that conversation but, but on this show. But this it's week. not the end of of the conversation about Case and and why why you have nerves about him playing but if that li- if guys on that line are lost it changes my entire feel about this team well let's let's come back and talk more about this because the scope of the NFC changed a lot late in the day yesterday with what happened in Los Angeles in that Eagles Rams game so let's lay out the landscape plenty more to get into off that game yesterday and we're going to devote maybe even two full segments starting at 10 o'clock to the Adam Thielen was it a catch was it not a catch should it be a catch I think we can recraft the wording if we all believe that that should be a catch. There's a couple little tweaks they could make to the wording of the process of the catch, but that was a hot topic yesterday for sure. Mm -hmm. Because if they score that touchdown and get an additional four points, not only are they leading at halftime, which changes almost everything about the momentum and the mindset, but they might even just be in that game at the end in a different way with those extra four points. Who knows how the butterfly effect would have played out, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, we are Vikings heavy. We'll get into this, some interesting Twins news yesterday or Twins-related news with, uh, or I guess Minnesota-related news too. Jack Morris was uh, finally inducted into the Hall of Fame. There's veterans committees for different eras now, and the Modern Era Committee put him in yesterday. So we can touch on that later on in the hour, but Vikings heavy. Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com. She's a Vikings insider in about two hours. Kevin Seifert at the bottom of this hour. Superstar Mike Morris. Uh, speaking of superstars, Chris Lindahl before we do anything else, has been uh, just an amazing asset to uh, to my family and to my life in the last year because Chris Lindahl and his team helped me sell my condo for top dollar last February. Now, I kind of went in a little bit skeptical. I said, I don't know. I feel like we might be, are you sure you want to list it for that much? Because I just, that might be a little bit high. And they said, no, we've done all the research. We've got a full marketing plan in place that goes way above and beyond any other realty group in the Twin Cities and even in the country, trust us. Well, it's sold within three hours. So I'm here to recommend Chris Lindahl and his team to all of you out there, the expert marketers that they are. I mean, heck, you can see Chris on every corner on a billboard in this town. And now through December 15th, so you got till the end of the week, Chris is saying thank you to the Mackie and Judd listeners, giving away a free listing contract. You'll get your house sold for free with the full marketing. ChrisLindahl.com. That's Chris with a K. Or 763-401-SOLD. Chris Lindahl, the number one REMAX results team. Mackie and Judd are back. The Emperor does not share your optimistic appraisal of the situation. On 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd is sponsored by Robert W. Baird and Company. Oh, what a bomb that was last night, boys. What a shot it was. Swing it and drive. Oh, the pitcher on the mound is frightened. Anxiety is heightened, and since there's no place to throw, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, and it doesn't show signs of stopping, and the twins are wild card shopping, Miguel's putting on a show, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, oh the fans in the crowd get tight, 
When the pitcher falls behind 2-0, Miguel swings with all his might. Over the fence, there it goes. Oh, the baseballs are still flying. His power, there's no denying. Oh, Miguel, we love you so. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Can you believe how far that ball went last night, boys? He got all of that one. That was a bomb. Oh, the hamstring looks like it's pretty healthy. Yeah, that was the that started first it. track off Songs by the U-Log Volume 1 from 2015. Wow. Splendid vocals there by... Uh, oh, no, you were, you, were fa- you were fantastic. It was... I meant more the, the backgrounds in there. No, that wasn't so good. Well... We're gonna uh, we're gonna release tracks off volume three all week this week. So be listening for track number one off volume three sometime during today's show. We're very excited, despite the ten percent of you loyal listeners who uh, continue to bombard us with emails and tweets saying how much you hate. Why songs do you by guys do those Christmas songs? Talk more sports. I want you to break down the Wild's third penalty talk, kill line. Talk more that sports. Never plays. Why don't you guys talk about the Timberwolves bench more? I want you to simulate an NBA draft, <laughs> the second round. Dave Harrigan Enough loves this to do fun. That, that actually sounds delightful. I was going to say yeah. Dave Harrigan. That's <laughs> Let's right go. Dave's alley. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, there was Packer <laughs> Ventline yesterday, even though they had a huge win on the road against Cleveland, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cleveland was up by two touchdowns at one point, mm-hmm. and it looked like Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to have to come back. But uh, after the Packers pulled it off late, was it overtime? They won it in overtime, right? Uh, Packer Ventline was a mixed bag on uh, the fan in Milwaukee. And I, I'm still, I'm furious over that, even though we won that game. What was that display? What was that, guys? That defense, man, I'm getting heart palpitations just looking at that defense. They're terrible. Yeah, no, they are. Go, Pat, go! So if you believe all that, then what you say, the Packers actually could have, should have lost this game. And nobody will say this, but this is probably... The best win McCarthy has had on his resume year to date under the circumstances. Go, Pat, go! That's amazing. That's an amazing lowering of standards what? right there. Just, you know, sorry we lost our Hall of Fame quarterback, and now the best win of the year is beating a team that has one win in the last two calendar years. Yeah. Because it's so that, tough to put together a competent roster. Oh, yeah. Gary. Our guy, Gary. I love Gary, but come Gary, on, man. Gary can't seem to decide. Sometimes he's furious and really upset about things, and sometimes he yeah. sounds like he's on the payroll completely, and I can't figure <laughs> out at which time oh, he man. changes. Yeah, that was... Uh, it's very odd. That was a take right there. That was a take. Um, but the Packers are, interestingly here, just a game back of the final NFC playoff spot. Here's the landscape. So the Eagles still have a full game lead now on the Vikings. They won a back-and-forth shootout road game in Los Angeles. They took a big early lead, and then the Rams came back and took a lead late, and then Carson Wentz goes down, and Nick Foles takes over in the fourth quarter, and they go on to win. Now they have three games left, presumably without Carson Wentz, if the torn ACL speculation is correct. Yep. Uh, But that's a big win from a tiebreaker standpoint now because the Vikings... Uh, because they lost a conference game and a common opponent game, right? And the Eagles won one. That makes it tougher for the Vikings in the tiebreaker department. The Vikings almost have to win out to finish thirteen and three to have any shot at home field throughout the playoffs. But here's the big twist, Judd: 
even if the Eagles get home field, if Nick Foles is their starting quarterback, there's no guarantee that they win that first playoff game in the second round and then go on to host the NFC Championship game. In fact, they might wind up playing, if you look further down the bracket here, the Falcons with Matt Ryan are 8-5. and five. The Seahawks lost yesterday, but they're still sitting there you know, in a tie record-wise for the final playoff spot. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers is now, if he comes back, is now just a game out. So it's possible the Eagles, even with home field advantage, would have to play against a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers or a Matt Ryan, and they might lose that game, thus giving home field right back to the Vikings if they can maintain the number two seed. Nick Foles was last a starting quarterback on a full-time basis in this league in 2015. Started 11 games for the uh, then St. Louis Rams at the time. Last year, uh, the Rams let him go. He played in three games and started one for the Chiefs, and uh, he has played in four games uh, since returning to Philly this year. All right. So at the start of the season, if I had told you this, if I had told you, would you rather have the Vikings QB situation or or Phillies? And you would have said, oh, okay, let's see. I'm thinking about uh, Carson Wentz, Bradford. I mean, Carson Wentz is a nice young quarterback. And now your quarterback situations for these two teams are Case Keenum and Nick Foles. I love that the, the top three teams, the top the top teams in the NFC right now, it's, it's basically just a referendum on how bad Jeff Fisher was as the head coach with the Rams the past three or four years. That all three teams are now being quarterbacked by his quarterbacks from the last two or three years. Jared Goff, uh, well, you can even include Sam Bradford. Now, I guess, no, Fisher coached Sam Bradford. For sure he did. Yeah, in St. Louis. In St. Louis. Yes, he did. And uh, Case Keenum and Nick yeah. Foles. Yeah. It's his guys. I think if you're Drew Brees in the Saints right now, you're licking your chops at 9-4, and four, even if you have to play on the road. I'm not saying that's the, the, you know, that they're for sure going to plow through the NFC playoffs, but... You're looking at the Rams with Jared Goff, and they've lost a few games now to put them down a peg. The Rams have kind of shown you, all right, they lost to the Seahawks. Right? No, I'm sorry, that was the Eagles. They lost to the Vikings, and they lost to the Eagles, mm-hmm. thus officially slotting them in there in the middle of the playoff bracket. Mm-hmm. And the Saints are looking around probably saying, we got the best quarterback oh, I feel in this great bunch. On the Saints. We have a defense now. Yep. Uh, some weapons in the running game. Yeah, this this bracket is nuts right now. And then throw the Lions in there at seven and six just for fun. And the Cowboys in there at seven and six. All those teams right within a game of the Falcons and the Seahawks in the battle for the sixth seed. The the thing about th- this too, though, is the Wentz, and I, I know that uh, fans here will be pleased about it probably, but the Wentz injury is once again too bad. I mean, I I hate the fact that you have so many good players and quarterbacks going out. And Nick, I mean, Nick Foles is back now and Keenum's turned into a great story. But, you know, when when Green Bay does not have their their QB and it's funny, I get it because those people have actually had to suffer now with a quarterback who's no good or who's who's trying to emerge. But it is too bad, I think, when you look around this league. And finding good quarterbacks to start with is incredibly difficult. I mean, there's not a ton. There's, what, a group of them, five, six, seven, maybe five. And and when you see these guys falling by the wayside this consistently, it is too bad. Yeah, and, and I think there's probably a lot of Vikings fans sitting here, though, not laughing at the Eagles by any means, but saying, hey, we're on our third guy now. Yep. So you're on your second guy. Let's let's see how how you fare here down the stretch, because the Vikings have been able to to sit here and and roll off ten wins in thirteen games with their third string quarterback, and uh, we'll get to see now. Now Nick Foles is polarizing because he's been mostly atrocious, 
but had that one season, his first stint in Philadelphia, Pat Shermer and Chip Kelly yes. were the offensive masterminds, where he threw, I want to say, 27 touchdowns and just two interceptions. So you're exact. 2013, okay. yes, 13 games, 10 starts. So, you know, if if given the right infrastructure, he has shown that he can play at a pretty crazy MVP level. And it ain't like, I, I, I don't think he was slinging the ball down the field 30 yards on every throw. It was a lot of West Coast principles and... It was uh, it was a tricked up offense with no huddle, and they were playing a faster tempo. They had Lashawn McCoy, I believe, yes, on that team as well. So, uh, but if it you know if you look now at the, the top heavy nature of the NFC with the Eagles and the Vikings and the Rams is almost offset by the fact that the teams at the bottom all have Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks or quarterbacks who have recently won the MVP award in Cam Newton and uh, and Matt Ryan. Speaking of Cam Newton, we had a lot of discussions last week, and I was. Very bold in in my prediction that the Vikings would win this game by a touchdown or more, and that Mike Zimmer would own Cam Newton. And of course, right after he busts off that sixty-two yard run, my timeline fills up with uh, you know throwing that tweet, the tweets back in my face. Here's Cam Newton in a nutshell. For almost three hours, the Vikings defense held him to hundred thirty-seven yards passing, a crucial game-altering interception on a terrible overthrow, and it was. He's trying to throw a little pass in the flat to Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. and it's too high. It goes off his fingertips. That's a reliable pass-catching running back as well. Mm-hmm. It was a terrible pass by Cam. So classic game-altering turnover by Cam Newton. Eight rushing yards on 11 carries to that point in the game, and two sacks and a couple big hits. That w- Now, he, he of course, he escaped pressure through a touchdown pass to Devin Funchess at one point, but that was Cam Newton's day until the Vikings blow an assignment uh, miss a tackle, Andrew Sandejo, and he rolls off the 62-yard run, which he deserves credit for. That's part of his game, busting off a 62-yard yeah, run. Nice play. But he needs these grand slam plays I in order to salvage three hours of mostly terrible football. I think, they owned him for three hours. I think you're obsessed with your dislike for him, though. No, this, I'm not. I'm, this league is full. But, but you, the you, thing you, about you this guys league like is... You and Collar think he's an MVP still. The Vikings no, dominated no, him for no, three I hours. I don't, but, but here's my thing. This league is filled with with so many quarterbacks who just aren't good. His skill set, he can do he can do things. He's not a great passer, but his athletic ability enables him to make plays that a lot of quarterbacks can't make. I think you're I think you're obsessed with your dislike for him beyond normal. Okay, maybe I guess I don't I mean, under, like, I, like I don't like I get what you're saying. And, and if we were to sit here and rate the best pure quarterbacks. He ain't close. I don't. Here's what I don't like. I understand okay? that. I don't like when we have this discussion on the air, and then Matthew Collar, you know, takes the, you know, and he's going to be out of. T- he's not going to be in studio tomorrow. We maybe we can get him on the phone to this to discuss this. And he thumps his chest about Cam Newton's 62 yard run. If you need a 62 yard run to bail out three hours of bad football, then I don't want you as my franchise quarterback. And credit to the Vikings defense for outside of the two big lapses before that and the penalties. Uh, and then there was also the play with this is this is another head scratcher that, that kept the Vikings in it yesterday with like oh, six and were, a, there were several head scratchers for sure six and a half or seven minutes to go yes and the Panthers had a third and two up by two scores at that point up by eleven points yep so their main goal on third and two should be keep the clock let's burn an extra forty seconds and it's third and two we could run the ball and probably maybe kill two birds with one stone get a first down and keep the clock moving. And Cam Newton goes into this theatrical mode before the play with the clock running down. And he changes the play, which I'm assuming it was a run play. He saw something defensively. He said, no, 
We're going to burn him one-on-one on the outside. Which the Vikings are fooling him the whole time. Yes, yes. and he overthrows by Car- like five yards, thus stopping the clock. And the Vikings got the ball back and had a chance to win the game. Carolina gave... Uh, here. Here's... If I have a concern about the Vikings uh, that, that goes beyond the offensive line being banged up, it's this. The last two games, the Falcons game and Sunday, were sort of blueprints of potential playoff games. And if the Vikings go down by 10 points or more, I think this offense is in huge trouble. And people will say, but they came back on Sunday. Carolina allowed them to come back. If you had had a smart team, if Carolina was a well, really well-run team, the Vikings don't get a sniff that they got. And so so the Falcons game, to me, is a credit to the Vikings and, and their ability, if things go right, to win a playoff game. Yesterday was a lot, a lot of the concerns. Even take away the mistakes, and let's just go to, okay, let's just say that, that you get down by 10 or more points. If the other team plays a smart game, you're in trouble. You're going to be in trouble. So, yeah, I mean, it's so many things went wrong for the Vikings yesterday, and they still had the ball with a chance to tie the game. They, the game was tied with three minutes to go, despite all those terrible four, things. Forbath makes the 54 yard field goal. They win the game. Yeah. On the road against the number five seed right now and in we, the uh, in the NFC. And we haven't even mentioned kicking yet. We'll get to that. We'll get to what is a catch and what isn't. What should a catch be? We'll do that at 10 o'clock. Um, we're going to unveil track number one off Songs by the U-Log, volume three, later on in the show. Let's get to Kevin Seifert from ESPN.com. Talk more Vikings when we come back. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. It's a cultural wasteland filled with inappropriate metaphors and an unrealistic portrayal of life created by the liberal media elite. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Come on! Football! All right, Vikings lose yesterday. Uh, I'm going back and forth with your former colleague here, Kent Youngblood, and Kevin Seifert's former colleague. He says, laugh out loud other than two 60-yard runs and a series of stupid penalties. That was some darn fine defense. And my point to both you guys, Kevin Seifert, is those things aren't predictive. Those are more anomalies. And I get that Cam Newton's more likely to bust off a 62-yard run than Matt Ryan, so it's, it's more likely to happen in that game. But, Kevin, I watched that game yesterday, and I didn't think... Oh man, there's a other than the offensive line maybe being banged up. I didn't think, oh, these this is all symptomatic of a big meltdown down the stretch for the Vikings. In fact, they almost won the game despite all the things that went wrong. Yeah, uh, if you I mean if the concern is that the that the Vikings were exposed uh and that we now see the the recipe for beating them, um I'm not sure that that's the case, you know, in the in the 30,000 uh you know, foot view they lost a close game to one of the top probably five or six teams in the NFL right now on the road uh, at the end of a long road trip, and uh, and it could have easily turned out the other way. So I, you know, obviously it was a big game for tiebreakers and a big game for positioning given the the Wentz the Carson Wentz injury. But uh, in terms of the way they lost, I I didn't feel uh, that it was uh, you know as you say anything symptomatic of any bigger issues other than that. You know, they have holes like every other team. Uh, Carson Wentz, Kevin, is a sad case to me. I I told Phil this. You know, this is disconcerting to me that we have so many top QBs out now, too. I mean, I get it. If you're a Vikings fan, it's potentially good for you. But that being said, when you see this many star players going down, and now now we've got, uh, you know, backup QBs, it's not a good thing. And if, if I'm the league, I don't think that you can do much about it, but you're also not exactly going to uh, be pleased about it either. 
No, they they can't be happy about it. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz was on his way to becoming the MVP. Maybe he still wins it. I don't know how the votes will go. I do not have one. But um, if there's anything that the NFL can do, it's to put a greater emphasis on building depth at quarterback. You're not going to have 32 Carson Wentzes or even have 32 teams where if Sam Bradford gets hurt, you have a guy like Case Keenum who can come in and, and keep things rolling. But and we've talked about this before, uh, NFL Europe was shuttered in 2007, and there really hasn't been any effort to uh, establish a developmental program to, to, to have more, uh, to give more quarterbacks time to, to, to learn what they need to learn and get the experience they need to be able to, to just contribute and participate at an NFL level. There's too many teams that, that have a drop-off to backups that are so dramatic that they can't even compete, and that's, and that's too bad. Um, you add to that uh, the shuttering of the NFL Europe and the lack of de- developmental league to the uh, 2011 CBA where they dramatically cut back the off-season workouts, and you know, a lot of teams, you know, the Packers were one that had sort of a quarterback school where quarterbacks would come back early and spend extra time and probably contributed over time to the number of quarterbacks they were able to develop and end up trading elsewhere. And that opportunity doesn't, doesn't uh, exist anymore. So if, the, if there's anything the NFL can do to address the issue that you raise, it's to be more aggressive and more proactive in terms of finding ways to develop quarterbacks, whether it's a developmental league, a quarterback academy, uh, some kind of uh, extra training for college quarterbacks, something that can uh, do a better job of building the depth behind some of these superstars. Maybe you develop a few more, uh, and if nothing else, you allow teams to, to play at a higher level with their backup than they otherwise would be. Yeah. Um, so and, and you're going to have Nick Foles, Case Keenum, uh, right now at the top of the NFC bracket uh, with the two best teams, and we'll see how far those guys can go with the machinery around them. But as you look at the landscape now, Kevin, and assuming that Nick Foles is going to be the starter for the Philadelphia Eagles, how would you uh, rank the, the top four or five teams in terms of uh, likeliness or likelihood to, to, to bounce through the NFC playoffs? Well, they asked us to do that really quickly last night, and my first blush was to pick the Vikings to to, uh, to be the favorites, at least in the NFC. Um, again, I don't think they were exposed yesterday, and despite a few of the injuries that we've seen, especially at offensive line, uh, a lot of their core, a lot of the core that has allowed them to succeed is still there. So uh, that's my quick blush uh, answer, not knowing how the Eagles will adjust. I don't imagine Nick Foles can run the type of offense uh, that Carson Wentz was in terms of all the run, the run pass options and, and read options and, and getting out in the open field. I don't think they wanted to do that either. Uh, they don't need another quarterback hurt. So we'll see what they're, how they adjust their offense, uh, which has been a big part of, of what they've done all year. Um, you know, the, the, In terms of positioning, at least, the Vikings have already beaten the Rams and Saints, and so that helps them uh, from a tiebreaker standpoint. So we'll see where it goes. Like, but if I had to pick a team right now, um, that, that's where I would go. How on earth is Savage allowed to continue yeah. in, in that, that game? I, I don't think there's a suitable explanation. Um, you know, I will say this. We all know that uh, on the sidelines uh, of NFL games, it's really hard to see everything that's happening. But the NFL concussion protocol has set up a lot of fail-safes there to ensure that the doctors who uh, examine a player for a possible concussion can see the replay of the play 
not expecting it to be as bad as it was yesterday with Tom Savage, where he's in that fencing posture and seems to be twitching or, or what have you. But uh, at the very least, they know where the player was hit, uh, how hard, you know, all that kind of thing. And that is supposed to be part of what these guys do. Um, there's a, a team physician and there's a, uh, an unaffiliated neurolog- neurological consultant who both examine the player for the initial sideline test in that blue tent. And they're supposed to they have access to that video, which is important because coaches and players on the sidelines can't use the replay, but there's a special thing dedicated just for the medical guys if there's any question or they just to see exactly what happened. And there's only two explanations. One, they saw it and were grossly incompetent in, in ignoring it and returning him to play. Or they didn't see it, in which case you need to ask, we need to ask why they didn't see it. So that, that to me is the critical element uh, that needs to be decided. The NFL, I'm sure, will address it today. Uh, Tom, uh, or excuse me, uh, Bill O'Brien, the Texans head coach, has already said if he had seen the replay, which he can't see uh, by NFL rule, but if he had seen it, he would never have let Tom Savage back in the game. So there's definitely some explaining to do. I think the NFL has done a fair job over the past few years in building up this concussion protocol. I can remember five, six years ago, you know, it's basically if you weren't knocked out, you you know, you were back in the game. And there's a lot more to it now, and, and that's a good thing. But uh, clearly still uh, many more places where they can improve, and that's one of them. Uh, how, about, how about the Buffalo-Indianapolis game yesterday? Yeah. Not only just like the four feet of snow that they were all trudging through, but then the controversy at the end on the, the two-point conversion. Uh, have you ever seen anything like, and that's probably the most snow I've ever seen in a game, even with the Army-Navy game getting a bunch of snow this weekend, too. Not yeah. that, though. The amazing thing was that before the game, like 90 minutes before the game, there was nothing. I saw, I saw some pictures pregame where people were posting, you know, here I'm at the stadium, the press box at the stadium, and there was nothing. And by the time the kickoff had started, it was almost a whiteout. So that's uh, that's lake effect snow for you. Um, inter- that's and some interesting and fun NFL rules come into play there in terms of when you're allowed to uh, and who is allowed to clear space uh, for things like kicking and and snapping the ball and all that. And there were some <laughs> funny pictures that showed that there were some players like two or three yards beyond the line of scrimmage pre-snap because no one could see the line of scrimmage. So it made for some fun moments i'm kind of glad that it's although the bills are still very much in the in the playoff race i'm kind of glad it wasn't a game between two teams in the playoff race because that ends up being sort of almost a fluky game that 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 had could have dramatic effects so it was fun in that uh you know the bills didn't have their playoff chances hurt and the colts didn't have a chance at the playoffs anyway, um, and we had a lot more fun watching it than we would have a normal Bills-Colts game at this time of year. So what's the rule now? We can kick snow around, but we can't shovel it? Is that right? Yeah, I think that uh, there was a point at which one of the teams was trying to bring uh, their equipment guys out to come shovel it for a kick, and they got sent off the field. So you, uh, But then the grounds crew can, when they have time, uh, uh, plow out the lines. But um, okay. if, you, if you think back to that famous Patriots game where the guy came on and uh, uh, with the plow, the Patriots guy came on the field with the plow mm-hmm. a long time ago in the old stadium and, and cleared it out for a game-winning kick, that uh, was sort of a home field advantage that the NFL is trying to avoid so the grounds crew has to act independently but um ultimately if you're a kicker and you need and you need uh you need uh a cleared out space to kick it you better recruit your teammates to do it you know it's uh, of course adam vinatieri is the guy too how about the 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 i wonder if he purposely uh put as much draw on that was it the 43 yard extra point 
Did yeah. he put all the draw onto her, or did he miskick that and the wind brought it I over? Think he did on purpose. Did he? Okay. You know, was Vin, what's that, Judd? I, I think he did. I think he did did that on purpose. I think yeah, he saw probably. how the wind was going and did it. Right. And I, I would say, like, any, if you see a kick like that from a guy like Vinatieri, it was probably intentional. Yeah. Uh, he is. He's had as much. He's, I mean, he's he's almost like ninety years old, so he's been in the league for like sixty years. But he uh, uh, he has as much experience, if not more, than all the other kickers in the NFL combined in, in these type of. Uh, uh, weather games, and so I, I would assume that uh, that was very intentional. Yeah. Well, a super entertaining week, and uh, this should be fun yeah. for for Vikings fans down the stretch. And the NFC is just going to be wild for the next few weeks. But we're looking forward to it, man. Thanks, Kevin. See you, Kevin. Thank you, guys. All right, Kevin Seaford from ESPN.com. Snow games are fun, man. I love watching them. I I really think the NFL should have mandated whatever game you had on. If you weren't watching Red Zone, there should even if you were, there should have just been a picture in picture of Colts Bills <laughs> trying to kick the thing. snow around so they can kick field Joe goals. Joe Webb out there trudging around. Joe Webb the third now. Yeah, he's got the third back there on the jersey. Uh, Nathan Peterman, your guy. Actually, was it Dave's guy this week? It was Dave's you guy. Picked Nathan Peterman. And, right? his Q- and his QBR was pretty doggone good before he left. Yeah, which I think we need to dispute that. Oh, well, I think the rules are pretty, oh, pretty now, clear oh, now, cut. Now we're going to dispute it. Well, we'll do, we'll do that we'll, uh, probably yeah. on tomorrow's show. We All can right. do the quarterback cesspool challenge. Uh, yeah, Packer Ventline was, speaking of uh, ups and downs and uh, variations and opinions, Packer Ventline yesterday was uh, was all of the above. Go, Pack, go! Brett Favre this, Brett Favre that. Brett Favre could have done nothing compared to what Brett Hundley did today. <laughs> all you Brett Hundley haters, shut up. He threw for 265, three touchdowns. We're going to hate on him when he plays bad. We're going to hate on him when he plays good. He led this team to a win. Go, Pat, go! Are the Brett rankings changing in Green Bay? Unbelievable. Mackie and Judd are back. Show me what you got. On 1500 ESPN. The 1500 ESPN Sports Fantasy Auction is back. It's happening tomorrow, presented in part by Abel Chiropractic, TCL, and Town Hall Brewery. You can listen all day from 9 a.m. until 6 to bid on great experiences with all the money raised, benefiting Courage Kenny Rehabilitation Institute. During Mackie and Judd, we've got some good packages, including the Timberwolves package, four tickets to a game in the TCL theater box with Mackie and Judd, plus a 65-inch TCL C-Series TV and the team autograph ball. All the details on all the packages available right now, 1500ESPN.com, keyword courage. And, boys, I believe there's another package that was just confirmed this morning. Uh, yes, I don't know what the specific details are, but it involves Cheryl Reeve, Lindsey Whalen. I'm assuming us on the show are going to be there as well. And maybe like a bottle of wine slash dinner or some combination. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was... That, and we'll be quiet and we'll talk ago. basketball. Yeah. And it'll be really, really cool. Oh, this came... We put a poll up and we gave four options. Which yes. local coach would you want to sit down and get a, a drink with? And Mike Zimmer was number one and Cheryl Reeve was number two. And she chimed in, right? Yes. On the comments. We said, let's make this a reality. Let's pull some strings. And so we did. And uh, Cheryl Reeve will be part of our, I believe, noon giveaway tomorrow. So it will be very cool. Details. I, I think all of these are being posted on the website, 1500ESPN.com. There's a link front and center for the Courage Kenny uh, sports fantasy auction that we've. This is now the, what is it, the seventh year we've been doing this? We've been doing this for a long it time. Before I got here, I raised think. a bunch of money. So. Uh, super fun. Hey, Roke, we're going to get back into Viking stuff. In fact, we got to get into this Adam Thielen at the top of the hour. Is it a catch? Is it not? Should it be a catch? Yeah, why is it not a catch? 
Yes, and if we could rewrite the rules to make it a catch and the Des Bryant play, which is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So we'll get into all of that, and we can keep the phone lines open from now until about 1030, 651-646-8255, 877-615-1500. Jack Morris, he went uh, the 10 years, did not get in to the Hall of Fame uh, with uh, the help of baseball writers, Mm -hmm. but he did get in with help as of yesterday. This news came out. Uh, with the it's the it's the veterans committee, but there's three different committees. They've this is the modern now. committee. Yes, he gets in. Your thoughts on Jack Morris and Alan Trammell got into, but Jack Morris specifically Hall of Famer. Uh, my thoughts are this: as as a uh, Twins fan growing up, when you pitch one of the most memorable games, not in franchise history, but in baseball history, um, I'm not surprised. It's just interesting to me, though. It's, so, and this is not a. a a jack discussion, but it's interesting to me that it used to be 15 years on the ballot and now it's 10. But once that bite at the apple's gone, Phil, you then get the second one where where your uh, compadres can basically put you you in, which is fine. But it's it's just the fact that the Hall of Fame is or should be was an incredibly exclusive thing. And it was, and it should be the greatest of the greats. The you should, and so, am I glad to see Jack in? Absolutely. Do I wonder about how many opportunities you get to be put into the Hall of Fame? Yes, I do. How's that for? Uh yeah. For fair? I mean, it's I. There's so many angles to this. In my opinion, on this as it pertains to Jack Morris, has evolved a lot in the last five or six years too. I think. You know, there are a lot of younger voters now that didn't see guys from the 50s, 60s play. So if, you know, if if the eye test or if just context of era factors in, there are certain people. I was born in 1985. If I had a vote, I really didn't see the prime of Jack Morris's career. I certainly remember the end of it with Game 7. And right, but you didn't see his Tigers years. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I totally understand that aspect of it and maybe getting another bite at the apple after the baseball writer's uh, take their crack for 10 years. But, you know, if you, this is a great nugget from David McCoy, WCCO TV, tweeted this out last night. The average Hall of Fame pitcher, according to baseball reference, so the average Hall of Fame pitcher has a 2.98 earned run average. And if you want to go even further into the stats, 70 wins above replacement. Jack Morris's ERA is almost a full run higher. He's going to have the highest ERA of any pitcher ever enshrined in the Hall of Fame. His wins above replacement, which I get it. It's not, it shouldn't be taken as gospel, but it does factor in now that you have uh, new forms of measurement and teams are using those forms of measurement now to evaluate players. His, uh, uh, his wins above replacement is actually 26 wins below the average Hall of Fame pitcher. So, just his profile statistically, which should matter to some degree because we do count home runs and we count RBIs and we count if you have 3,000 hits, it matters in baseball. So your ERA should matter to some extent in this measurement. His his measurements don't stack up compared in a lot of these categories, but this is where I'm going to play devil's advocate to my own argument here. He was the starting pitcher for one of the most iconic playoff games in the history of baseball, Game 7. It was one of the most dominant, iconic performances in the history of baseball. So, Absolutely. If you're on the fence about Jack Morris and you need a tiebreaker, and the tiebreaker is, oh, just the greatest performance in World Series history, 
that factors in as well. So I'm certainly not outraged by this, but I do see the debate, and anyone suggesting that the debate is ludicrous, I think is off. I think the question. I think the question also comes down to this: if you are perceived in any sport as a big game, massive game player, and, and you've had success there, should that alter the thinking of the folks who vote? Kurt Schilling, perfect, perfect example, right? I mean, Kurt, yeah, Schilling, Kurt Schilling should be in because of his playoff performance. Yes, and you look at that and you say, okay, if you put everything else aside, this guy was very good. But if you put all of that aside, does the fact that this guy was at times dominant and so great in big games tip things? And the answer is probably yes. The answer is probably sure. now, now, now. Schilling's despised for re- reasons beyond baseball, I and I that get matters. that, and that shouldn't, but. If you look at a guy like Morris or Schilling, you are also looking at a couple of pitchers who were at times absolutely dominant or very, very good in the most important situation when everyone was watching. Yeah, it matters. It definitely matters. Just like I think in an amazing six or seven year stretch or an amazing nine or 10 year stretch that doesn't have the longevity because of injury or whatever it is, I think that matters too. I think if you were the best, like Johan Santana to me is a Hall of Famer. Johan Santana was the best pitcher in baseball for like six years. No, he doesn't have postseason cred, so I get that that right. factors in to some degree. Definitely, does. but he's that's a that's a debate that should be had more than it will. He won't be a Hall of Famer, but it's a debate that should be had. What's more important, seven years of dominance or fifteen years of being really really good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we can maybe get into more of that tomorrow. There's all kinds of stuff from the baseball winter meetings to dive into. But what the hell is a catch? And should Adam Thielen have had one yesterday, Mackie and Judd?